Please remain standing for our scripture lesson. We are in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, a story about Jesus cleansing the leper. Sermon titled, The Compassion of the Savior. Here are these words. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. It's a privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. But before we look at our text, will you join me in prayer? Good and gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning aware of our need, aware of our sin, and aware of the fact that we cannot cleanse ourselves. Would you please speak to us this morning? Help me to preach Christ and Christ alone. Give us all ears that we might hear what you would say to each of us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Children, perhaps your mommy and daddy taught you this song when you were little. Maybe you just learned it recently. In fact, this is a song that a lot of us have learned as children. And when we learn this song, we never doubted its words for a minute. We knew Jesus loves me. And indeed, People often talk about the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, or the heart of Jesus. These are things that we see talked about in our churches, but also in the world around us as people try and discover what it is about Jesus that is special. What is it about him that is different? And people often emphasize these things. Yet, have you ever thought more deeply about this? Have you ever found yourself questioning the love of Jesus or the compassion of Jesus? Perhaps asking yourself, in in what way is Jesus compassionate? More specifically, who is Jesus compassionate to? Or maybe take it a step further, is Jesus compassionate to me? Well, in our text before us this morning, we're introduced to a leper who has an encounter with the Savior, with Jesus Christ. And Mark is showing us here in this passage the deep compassion that moved our Savior to cleanse an unclean sinner. 
So before we look more specifically at our passage, I want to provide a little context and help you see that this passage is relevant for us today. Whether you're a Christian, one who professes faith in Christ, or whether you have not put your trust in Christ, this matters for you today. The compassion of Christ matters today. Thus far in chapter 1, Mark introduces us to John the baptizer. You know, John came to prepare the way for the Messiah, the one who would come to set God's people free. And he acts as a forerunner of that Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then immediately, a word that Mark uses some 40 times in his gospel, he introduces us to Jesus of Nazareth. And he's right on the scene. And right away, Mark drives the narrative forward as he tells us of Christ's baptism and his temptation. And both of these served to prepare our Messiah for his public ministry. We note in his baptism, for example, that the Trinity was present. Christ was baptized in the Jordan with unclean sinners in order to fulfill all righteousness. And we see the Spirit descending upon him and anointing him. The word Messiah in the Greek means the anointed one. Uh, Same thing in the Hebrew, the Hebrew term for Messiah. So he was anointed, filled with the Spirit, and declared to be the Son of God in whom he is well pleased. We then see that the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And here he perfectly obeys his Father. He submits to his father's plan and not his own, not what the devil would suggest. And so he is sinless, doesn't fall to the devil's schemes, and there he defeats and conquers the enemy on our behalf. And as a result, he then proves himself to be this Messiah. He stands the test, and now he's ready to begin his public ministry. And this is where Mark takes us in our text before us, leading up to these verses that we'll look at. John the Baptist is arrested, and Jesus begins to call his twelve apostles. One commentator notes the importance of the theme, the kingdom of God, in Mark's gospel. And so we see that the kingdom is both a present reality, something that's there now, but it also has a future hope and expectation. There's something to look forward to. In the incarnation, God's rule invaded the earth, and now, as a result of this, the kingdom of darkness will seek to oppose it. Satan will seek to throw all of his devices at the encroaching kingdom of God. And we see that Mark records some of our Savior's miracles, such as the exorcism of demons, or healing Peter's mother-in-law, and the healing of many others. And in this, he's showing that the devil's devices are being thwarted by Christ. So Christ now is exercising his authority over demonic forces and over diseases. And as you look forward in Mark in chapter 4, you'll see that that also includes the storms, as he calms the storm. So this Savior's power is comprehensive. He calms the storm. He's triumphant over diseases and the devil. Well, as we come to verses 40 through 45, we now see Jesus' encounter with a leper who comes to him. And this leper may have thought, it's easy to understand the authority 
and the power of Jesus. He may have heard of all of these things that Jesus had done, these miracles. And indeed, maybe you understand the power and the authority of Jesus easily. But the question is, is Jesus willing to help me? And that's this question the leper had. He's wrestling with the question of Jesus' willingness. Have you today ever doubted Jesus' willingness to cleanse you? That he is compassionate to you, even though you struggle with the same sin that besets you. Even though you continue to falter. Even though you continue to doubt. Well, the leper in our text before us this morning knows that Jesus can heal. But is he willing to heal? In this passage, I want us to consider the compassion of Jesus towards unclean sinners. And we will consider this in three points. First, Jesus was moved to compassion by the leper's faith. Second, Jesus showed compassion by cleansing the leper. And third, Jesus' compassion for the leper resulted in his ministry being hindered. Our first point, Jesus was moved to compassion by the leper's faith. So in verse 40, we see that there's this leper that comes to Jesus. Now a little brief note on leprosy. This was a series of skin diseases that were chronic and that were very serious. And it can refer to several different types that may range from more severe to less severe. However, the leper was not only affected physically by his disease, but he was also affected in society. He was banished to the outer skirts of town. He was not allowed to live in his home with other people. And so this came with a cost. A non-leprous person was considered to be unclean. And in fact, in the Old Testament, the way that they would think about this is that someone with leprosy must have been under divine judgment and they were being punished by God. Another place we can see this thought is with Job's friends. They say, Job must have done something heinous. He must have committed some really bad sin in order for him to be under this providence of God. And the same was true with someone who had leprosy. So it came with great cost. And we also know in Leviticus 13, there were several regulations and instructions that one with leprosy had to abide by. So he had to wear torn clothing, he had to live in the deserted places, and he had to cry, unclean, unclean. Anytime someone were to come near him, he couldn't be around people. He had to avoid people at all costs. This was his plight. And what a bleak existence for this leper. Yet this is the picture of those without Christ. This is the picture of every one of us before we trust in Christ and for those who are in their sin and without a Savior. It is a hopeless condition And this is why we need someone else to cleanse us. We cannot cleanse ourselves. We cannot remove the dirt and the sin from within our hearts. We find ourselves just as this leper does. But this leper does something amazing. He comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus, even though it is not lawful for him to do so. He is to stay away from people. But according to the Torah, this would have defiled Christ. This would have defiled anybody who came into contact with him So he breaks the law to come to Jesus. 
But he comes to Jesus aware of his need. He starts there. He comes to Jesus because he knows himself to need cleansing. And he can't do it himself. So he comes. The same is true for sinners. In order for us to be cleansed, we have to first recognize our need for cleansing. We have to know ourselves to be bankrupt spiritually. And we need to know that we need a Savior and that we cannot do that ourselves. Jesus emphasizes this when he is asked by the Pharisees why he and his disciples are eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Pastor Mark references this a lot. And Jesus explains to them that he came to save people who know themselves to need cleansing. Not self-righteous people. Not people who think that they can just forge a path on their own. Not people who say, no, I don't need any of this religion. I don't need any of this Christ. I can just forge a way on my own. No. He says, I've not come to save the righteous. I've come to save sinners who know themselves to need cleansing. And this is what Christ emphasizes. So what about you today, dear ones? Do you recognize yourself in need of cleansing? Do you believe that you can just forge your own path? Or do you know that you cannot cleanse yourself? Well, how does this leper respond to coming to Jesus? He implores him, he kneels before him, and he speaks to him. Now these three words in the Greek, they really suggest an urgent appeal. He's beside himself. He's falling before Jesus. Are you willing? Are you willing? He's throwing himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. He starts there. He already knows Jesus can. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. So he is questioning still, as a result of having come, Christ's willingness to cleanse him. Isn't this a profoundly human response? We can relate to this. We can relate to this leper's struggle. Perhaps this leper had heard of the fame of Jesus, maybe from healing Peter's mother-in-law, from casting out demons. And he's wrestling here. But he sees the, the grace and the work of God in other people's lives, in the community. But does that extend to him? Him who's been the outcast, the, the one who's relegated to the deserted places. Does that include me? Or is that just for other people? That's what he's wrestling with. You know, a Christian once said that they believed Jesus forgives sinners. They knew it. They struggled to believe that for themselves. They struggled to believe that Jesus was willing to have compassion on them too. What about you today? Are you wrestling with this same question of Jesus' willingness? You know the story of the Messiah. You've heard the story of Jesus from the time you were small in Sunday school, or maybe you didn't grow up in the church, but you're familiar with the story of Christ and what he did. But is it just intellectual? Is it just in your mind, or is it in your heart? Do you believe it? Do you know it to be true for yourself? Or maybe you're not trusting in Christ today, and you think that you've done too many things wrong, that you're too dirty, that you're too sinful, that you're too far gone. And you ask, is Jesus willing to save me? Will he have compassion on me too? Well, let us continue in our passage to see Jesus' response to this leper's question. Verse 41 tells us that Jesus was moved by this leper, by his approach, by his request. 
Now, the, the Greek word that is in this text, the ESV renders as pity. Uh, there are some other translations that render it as compassion. And the literal meaning of the Greek is to have the viscera moved, the lungs, the liver, which was the seat of the emotions and the seat of the feeling. I prefer the translation compassion because I think it conveys that more clearly and many commentators pick up on the clear theme of Christ's compassion here, although pity is a perfectly acceptable translation. But just wanted to share that as we move forward. That's, that's how I'm understanding this. But I also want us to know that Jesus compassionately hears this leper's request. He doesn't banish him away. He doesn't say to him, no, 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 no. You have to be clean first. You have to clean yourself and cleanse yourself, and then you can come to me. Then you can have this conversation with me. He doesn't do that. He hears him. And he hears you too, as you come to him by faith. Consider... For a moment, how this leper must have felt. He comes to Jesus, he asks him this question, and he's waiting for his response. This is the million-dollar question. Are you willing to cleanse me? Is he going to be willing to cleanse me? Continuing in verse 41, we see something incredible. Jesus touches the leper. Think about that. He touches the leper, reaching forth his hand. And making contact. This would have defiled him, according to the Old Testament. Nobody would have ever thought of being near a leper, hearing a leper, but then the next step is he touches the leper. This is incredible. But there's something else that I don't want us to miss in this passage. The word for compassion in the Greek actually notes causality. So... Jesus touches this leper because he was moved to compassion. He was moved in the viscera, in the very fiber of his being. And that's why he reaches out and touches this leper. If you want to know Jesus' disposition towards sinners, this is it, my friends. In this text, this is Jesus' compassion for sinners. It's right here. It moves him. Jesus describes himself in a similar way in Matthew's gospel where he says in in Matthew 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As he bids those come to him who do not have the resources to find rest, who cannot find rest outside themselves, who've tried everything else but to no avail. Calvin notes that Jesus could have simply spoken a word to this leper, and he would have been healed instantly. We see that throughout the scriptures. Christ has power, and he often speaks, and it, and it takes place. But the very reason that Jesus touches this leper was to demonstrate his compassion. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And think about that for a minute. He did. Why? Because he wanted to show this leper compassion in action. Compassion in action. He reaches out his hands and makes contact with this leper. We see that too when we're hugged by a loved one, when we're touched on the shoulder, when we're given that bear hug by somebody we haven't seen in a long time. We know that they love us because we feel that. We feel that physically. And Jesus is doing the same thing to this leper. He's touching him. Nobody else would have done such a thing. 
but he's demonstrating his compassion in his action. Think of somebody you love for a moment. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend. Think of the love that you have for that person, that you would give, that you would sacrifice, that you would give of your time, that you would give of your resources. Think of that for a moment. That doesn't even come close to the compassion that Christ has for his people, even though that may be hard to wrap our minds around. But for Christ, there's no comparison. And oftentimes our love is is muddled with selfishness. We do things for others because of what we get, because of the way it makes us look, because of what we will receive in return. But not so with Christ. This is pure, unadulterated compassion that is clean of any selfishness, any sin. It's pure in and of itself. So how will you respond to this love and compassion, dear Christians? Does the compassion of Christ not move you? Or have we become all too familiar with the story of scriptures, the story of this Savior, that it has become commonplace? How will we respond to this today? I know that can be easy for me to become so used to this, but I have to remind myself that this is the most incredible thing in this world, in in this universe. Well, let us see that Jesus answers the leper's question. And he speaks to him. What does he say? He says, I will be clean. So we see that Jesus was not only able to heal this leper, he was also willing to heal this leper. And he does so out of his own volition. He's touched the leper, but now he's demonstrated it in his speech. He has also told this leper of his willingness. He desired to heal the man. There's no question about it now. The touch in the speech. The leper may not have known that Jesus was the Son of God. We don't know that. He may have thought that Jesus was just a powerful prophet or a nice guy. But, regardless, this unclean leper now knows that Jesus wants to cleanse him. Perhaps you've known people who claim to be too far gone to be loved by Christ. Maybe you feel this way yourself. As a result, they keep their distance from the church thinking that those people are perfect and I'm not, and I'm unclean, and how could I dare go into that church building? But I would suggest for you, this is backwards thinking. This is completely wrong. We don't come to Christ because we are clean. We come to Christ because we know that we aren't, and we cannot cleanse ourselves. That is why we come. We come to be cleansed. How must this leper have felt after Jesus told him he was willing to cleanse him? One who was rejected by society, who was relegated to the outskirts of town, who never felt the warmth of a hug or even a touch or a word spoken in kindness. How will you respond to Jesus today? Even when your flesh does not want to come to him, will you come? Will you do what seems backwards in your own thinking, in your own mind, and come to him who begs you to come. Well, so far we've considered that Jesus was moved to compassion by the leper's faith. Compassion moved him to hear this leper's request, to touch this leper, and to declare his willingness to cleanse him. Now let us consider our second point. Jesus showed compassion by cleansing the leper. In verse 42, we see that immediately this leper's cleansed. There's no delay. Right after Jesus touched the leper, after he spoke, 
After he declared his willingness, this leper's leprosy was completely removed, completely gone. He not only had the power and the ability and the willingness, but it resulted in the cleansing. We know sometimes people who have good motives, but they can't bring about the result. Well, this is a comprehensive Christ who brings about the result. And why does he do this? Compassion. Compassion. He sees this leper in his plight, in his suffering, and he heals this leper and cleanses him because he has compassion. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I think, I'll go, I guess I'll go ahead and heal this leper. It's out of my way, but this will bring me fame. And it'll go throughout the regions, and I'll be more well-known, and, and this will make me look good. He doesn't do that. My friends, it's pure, unadulterated compassion that moves Christ to do this for nothing else. Rather, compassion is what moved him. And Jesus has the same compassion for you and for me today, for unclean sinners who come to him by faith. His motive is always his own glory and the glory of the Father. But he is glorified through his people coming by faith. So the, answer, the question is, will you come? He is glorified by such healing and by such cleansing of his people. And we see this in John 3.16, a passage we're all familiar with likely, that God sent his only begotten Son into this world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or consider 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has. That we should be called sons of God. And so we are. So we know that this is not only true of Jesus. So often people want to say, well, God is the ogre in the sky who's waiting to zap me when I mess up. But did you catch what's important in these verses? I'll read this again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. The gift of love is His Son. It's love in one person and in the work of Christ. So this love the Father has for us. God the Father has the same compassion and love for sinners. And once the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart and regenerates us in this Trinitarian work, we are immediately cleansed from our sin. Just like this leper, when Christ spoke the word, we are cleansed from our sin. And, as a result, we receive Christ's perfect righteousness. It's the great exchange. Well, if you are not trusting in Christ today, compassion moves him by unclean sinners who come to him by faith. Now let us continue to verse 43, where we see that Jesus speaks to this leper. Jesus sternly charges this leper, as we're told in the text, and sends him away at once. Pretty, pretty immediate. One commentator notes that this stern charge was likely due to the fact that Jesus foresaw this leper's disobedience, that he would disobey his, his commands, because he gives him a command and a prohibition, as we'll see uh, coming up. And in verse 44, we'll see he completely disregards this. But... What's remarkable is that Jesus heals him anyway. Even though he knows this, he still heals him. And he still gives him the charge. Now, a charge wasn't completely uncommon. We see that in other places, like chapter 5, when uh, he heals um, 
a man from demons. It's the same sort of thing. He often gives people charges. But in this case, he actually tells the leper not to tell anybody. As we'll see, he says, See to it that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus' response here is interesting. After all, he's just healed this leper and performed this miracle. Would he not want him to publish the news abroad? Would he not want his name and his fame to be known? But I don't want us to miss the purpose here and what's going on in this text. Jesus did not want miracles to be the focal point of his ministry and his mission. Because that often is what happens. This is where a lot of times the Pentecostals get it backwards. In their zeal for miracles and signs and wonders, they make this the focal point, when in all actuality, the word sign even suggests it points to something else. It's not the focal point. And therefore we miss the person and the work of Christ when there's too much focus on these signs and these wonders and being captivated by them. And we miss the biggest miracle of all, the cleansing and healing of sinners, the giving of them new hearts. And so focusing on signs and wonders, this is what's missed. And may that not be true of us. May we not get caught up in these things, but may we look to the person and the work of Christ But the best explanation for Jesus' charge to this leper is that it results in his ministry being hindered. And we'll see that here coming up in our text. After the charge to the man that he should tell no one, Jesus tells the man to follow Mosaic law and present himself to the priest. Now, why did he do that? Well, what's interesting here to note is that the Mosaic law was still in place. And so we see him giving these specific instructions, and this was pretty lengthy instructions that he gave this leper. First, it's because the priests were the ones who had the authority to declare one clean or unclean ceremonially. And it involved this eight-day cleansing process, and it involved a trip from Galilee to Jerusalem and back again. And so this was pretty demanding. But in commanding the man to follow this procedure, he's upholding the Mosaic law. So here we see, once again, uh, we'll see in a different spot as Jesus makes it clear that he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. So we see that on display in our text. Well, Jesus demonstrated compassion to this leper even though he knew he would not follow one part of these instructions. Not even one. He would do the exact opposite. How many of us would show that same compassion that same love to somebody that we know would wrong us ahead of time, somehow we knew that, would we still show that same compassion? Would we still show that same love? This doesn't mean that we're always selfish in our motives in that way, but how many of us would actually go through with it, knowing that we would be wronged or disregarded? But this directs us even more to look to Christ. This directs us to look to the Savior who has pure compassion for His people And he saved us, not because of deeds and righteousness that we have done, but because of his mercy, uh, Titus, the book of Titus tells us. So we know that he does these things even though he knows we will wrong him. And he saves sinners knowing that it's that sin that put him on the cross. Yet he bears it anyway. And he comes to this world incarnate anyway when he knows that we will wrong him. 
And he who was compassionate healed this leper in the same way, knowing he would disregard his commands. He was patient with this leper, and he's also patient with you and with me when we struggle, when we sin, when we fall to the same thing day in and day out, when we lose it with our children, when we speak an unkind word to our spouse or a friend, when we fail to show that same compassion, he's patient and he's compassionate even then. So far we have considered that Jesus was moved to compassion by the leper's faith, that Jesus showed compassion by cleansing this leper. And now let us turn to our third point. Jesus' compassion for the leper resulted in his ministry being hindered. In verse 45, we are told how the leper responds to Jesus' commands. Essentially, he goes out and does the opposite of what Jesus had instructed him to do. And we can relate with that, can't we? I know I can. I so often do what is the opposite of what the Lord tells me to do in his word. And we can see that he goes out freely, and he just tells everybody. He's excited. I mean, this man who has been the outcast of society, he's been broken off from family, friendships, what have you. And he's excited and he's thrilled. And we can relate to that. And he goes out and he just tells everybody. He's, he's probably chomping at the bits. You know, he's running back to his home and he's saying, hey, look, it's me. Me who is unclean now have been restored. And so we can relate to that in our humanity. But he disregarded Jesus' commands. And that's important. Though we can relate to him, we must not presume that we know better than God. That because we feel a certain way and because what we do results from good motives in a, in a pure heart, so to speak, that does not justify what we do if it's against the very words of God. We must put ourselves in submission to Him and to His Word regardless of our motives. Uh, those of you with children, you, you may encounter that with your children. Your children, after doing something wrong and disregarding a command, may simply say, well, I was trying to do this because I loved you. you know, I, I don't want to go to bed because I drew you a picture and I love you and, and, and I wanted to make this picture. We would say, that's nice, but no. You must not disobey. You must obey what I tell you to do. And so we have to note that in this text, that that's an important thing. And sin has serious consequences. It has eternal damnation and separation from God. And in this passage, it seriously hindered Jesus' ministry. It hindered his public ministry. Thankfully, God is also long-suffering. This is one of his attributes. And the same is true for our Savior. He's long-suffering. He's patient with us when we sin, when we struggle. But, in a very real way, I want us to see in this text that it hindered Jesus' ministry. The text tells us that he could no longer openly enter a town, but was in desolate places. One aspect of Jesus' ministry that Mark stresses is his teaching ministry. The next time you read through Mark, perhaps circle with a pen in the Bible how many times you see the word teach or teaching. In fact, in, in, chapter, um, in, in the later chapters, he will get right into this right away in chapter 2, that Jesus came to teach. He was teaching in their synagogues, and he was teaching them. So this is one aspect of his ministry that was hindered. Uh, quite realistically. But do you see what happened here? Jesus traded places with this leper. He switched places with this unclean leper. The leper who was the one who was consigned to the outside, the leper who was the outcast, the unclean, the one in the deserted places, he's now restored 
And Jesus is the one who goes to the deserted places. Jesus is the one who is now where the leper was in this switch that took place. And as a result of this, his ministry is seriously hindered. Some commentators note in this part of the text that Mark is showing us practically our servant Lord who is willing to bear the iniquity of his people. He switched places with this leper. He was willing to do that. And so Mark is highlighting this for us. Calvin notes here that people so demanded signs and miracles, as we mentioned a moment ago, that there's really no place then for doctrine. And this is missed. And so now, because of a crowd, Jesus goes out to these deserted places. So this is what's happening here, is that he's, he, he's no longer able to open freely because there's mobs now that would say, we want to see a magic trick, we want to see a sign. And so there's no room, no opportunity left for teaching which was so central to what he came to do. And in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul comments on the Jews' need for signs as evidence of divine power. But Paul only sought to preach Christ and Him crucified. So this was a central part, and is a central part of the church's ministry. Dear Christian, I don't want you to miss something here. Jesus didn't just switch places with this leper. He switched places with you and with me. With every sinner who comes to him by faith, he switched places. When he came to this earth, took upon himself human flesh, kept the law perfectly, obediently went to the cross, was died, rose again, and ascended up into heaven, this same Savior switched places with you and took upon himself the weight of your sin. But not just your sin. The sin of every single one of his elect people. All at once, he bore this on the cross as he drank the cup of the wrath of Almighty God and gives you the cup of blessing, gives you the robes of his righteousness. Do you see this? Do you see how he switched places with his people just as he switched places with this leper? As he was crucified on the cross, of desertion, as he was in the desert places undergoing the wrath of God so that you could be set free, so that you could receive his righteousness. And the cross then, as a result, had a cost to it, just like it cost Jesus in this passage before us. And this cost was of infinite value. We can't even comprehend the value of the pure and spotless Lamb of God, but God gave him as a gift. And he gives his people this precious gift and beckons those sinners who know themselves to be unclean to come to him, to come and to trust in him. And this relates to us not only when we come to Christ in salvation. If you're already a Christian and professing faith, this relates to you in your growth and grace every single day. When you struggle with the same sin, when you struggle to trust in him, when you struggle in your doubts and your fears, he still beckons you come. He still tells you to trust in Him. And this compassionate Savior is able and He's willing to cleanse you from your sin and to grow you in grace and to complete that good work that He began in you even at the day of Christ. Well, So far in our text this morning, we have considered the compassion of the Savior. I hope that's been clear to you. That He's compassionate not according to the world's standards, 
Not a fleeting moment, not just a feeling that is cheap and that goes away. And it doesn't only exist at our conversion and then just disappear and then he expects us to keep the law. No, it exists from conversion all the way to glory when we will see him face to face. Our Savior is moved by compassion for sinners who come to him by faith, who come to him aware of their need when they know that they can't cleanse themselves. He's pleased not only to remove their guilt and their sin, but condemnation that stands against them. He restores sinners and brings them into fellowship, into the church, the bride of Christ, his beautiful bride that he loved and gave himself up for. In our passage today, we have considered this very compassion that is still real and pertinent to us today. Christian, are you struggling with the weight of your sin? Are you struggling with condemnation? Come to this compassionate Savior. Come to Christ today. Look to Him who is able and willing to cleanse you from every defilement of spirit and body and who is faithful to complete that good work. He will not let us fail. He is willing and able even to sanctify. Or perhaps you're not professing faith and trusting in Christ today. Do you know that he's pleased with those who come to him by faith? Are you trusting in this compassionate Savior? Or are you trusting in yourself to somehow keep the law and do the right thing? Have you been aware that that is not working? That that will never work? Well, it's not too late. Do not delay Come to him by faith who is willing and able to cleanse sinners who is our compassionate Savior. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you this morning thankful for your word, thankful for this compassionate Savior that you have given for sinners. This Christ that you gave as a gift for those who would come to him aware of their need for a Savior to be cleansed from their sin at the moment of their conversion, and indeed for the rest of their lives until they see you in glory. Please enable us who are struggling to trust in this compassionate Savior by faith today. And we give you thanks for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.